0: I'd like to introduce you to your your readers for tonight. We've got the prophet Malachi. <laughs> You've got Israel collectively, also individually the priests. And you have Edom. And uh, I'll be reading the part of the Lord. Um, so, just briefly, as I tried to read through this Sunday afternoon, for those who were here, you may have found it hard to keep up with who all was talking because it was back and forth back and forth and so what i did is i took the text of the chapter and i changed the spot where it said say it the lord and i put it in the form of a, how a script would look for a play um saying the character or the speaker's name in bold and so their text would come after the uh, colon so that's the only thing that i moved around was the spots where it said saith the Lord or says ye which was implied for Israel the priest. That being said because I messed with it this is fallible read your Bibles (laughs) Um, uh, Patrick did you want a part? Because you can intro Mm -hmm. I'll I'll feed you the line if you want it he was upset that he didn't have a part. Alright go ahead Malachi
1: The burden of the world Word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi
0: I have loved you Wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother? Yet I loved Jacob and I hated Esau And laid his mountains and his heritage waste For the dragons of the wilderness We (coughs) are impoverished But we will return and build the desolate places They shall build but I will throw down And they shall call them the border of wickedness and the people against whom the Lord hath indignation forever. And your eyes shall see, and ye shall say, The Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If I then be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear, O priests that despise my name?
1: Wherein have we despised thy name?
0: Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar. Wherein have we polluted thee? In that ye say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And if ye offer the blind for a sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now to thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee, or accept thy person?
1: And now I pray you. Beseech God that he will be gracious unto us, that this hath, being by your means, will he regard your persons.
0: Who is there even among you that would shut the doors for naught? Neither do you kindle a fire on my altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. For from the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the gentiles and in every place incense shall be offered unto my name and a pure offering for my name shall be great among the heathen but ye have profaned it in that ye say the table of the lord is polluted and the fruit thereof even as meat is contemptible ye also said behold what a weariness it is and ye have snuffed at it and ye have brought that which was torn and the lame and the sick, thus she brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand? But cursed be the deceiver, which hath in his flock a male, and voweth and sacrificeth unto the Lord a corrupt thing. For I am a great king, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. And now, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. If ye will not hear, and if you will not lay it to heart to give glory unto my name... I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yea, I have already cursed them, because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will corrupt your seed, and spread dung upon your faces, even the dung of your solemn feasts, and one shall take you away with it. And ye shall know that I have sent this commandment unto you, that my covenant might be with Levi, my covenant was with him of life and peace. And I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me and was afraid before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity and did turn many away from iniquity. For the priest's lips should keep knowledge and they should seek the law at his, at his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But ye are departed out of the way. Ye have caused many to stumble at the law. Ye have corrupted the covenant of Levi. Therefore I have also made you contemptible and base before all the people. According as ye have not kept my ways, but have been partial in the law.
1: Have we not all one Father? Hath not God? Hath not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously every man against his brother by profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah hath dealt treacherously, and abomination is committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah hath profaned the holiness of the Lord, which he loved, and hath married the daughter of a strange God. The Lord will cut off the man who doeth this, the master and the scholar, out of the tabernacles of Jacob, and him that offereth an offering unto the Lord of hosts. And this have ye done again, covering the altar of the Lord with tears and weeping, with crying out, insomuch that he regardeth not the offering any more, or receiveth it with the good will at your hand. Why? Because the Lord hath been witnesses between thee and thy wife of thy youth, against whom thou hast dealt treacherously, that she is thy companion and the wife of thy covenant, and he, and did not make. One, yet he the residue of the spirit, and wherefore, one, that thou that he might seek a godly seed, therefore, take heed to your spirit, let none deal treacherously against his wife of his youth. For the Lord God of Israel saith that he, has, he hateth putting away, for one covereth violence with his garment, saith the Lord of hosts, therefore, take heed to your spirit, that ye deal not treacherously." ye have wearied the Lord with your words.
0: Wherein have we wearied him?
1: When ye say, Everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them, or where is God of judgment?
0: Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly Come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come.
1: But who may abide the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire, and, the fuller's, and like fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may... Offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord, as in the days of old and as in former years.
0: And I will come near to you to judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against false swearers, against those that oppress the hireling and his wages, the widow and the fatherless, that turn aside the stranger from his right, and fear not me. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers ye are gone away from mine ordinances, and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you. Wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. Wherein? How we rob thee in tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, if I will not open you the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your field, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, and all excuse me, all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land. Your words have been stout against me. What have we spoken so much against thee? Ye have said, It's vain to serve God, and What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance, and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the proud happy, and yea, they that work wickedness are set up, yea, they that tempt God are even delivered.
1: Then they feared that the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrances was written before him for them that feared the Lord and thought upon his name.
0: And they shall be mine in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Did that make it a little easier to follow? Now, I will confess that there are some times in there when I'm not exactly sure if it's still the Lord talking or if it's Malachi because when the Lord starts using the name the Lord I kind of feel like it's the prophet um, so take that with a grain of salt um, there are some of those where it doesn't explicitly say who who is speaking um, but since Malachi is speaking on behalf of the Lord I think it's okay either way um, yeah I, I love that because uh, how you went through and basically and that, uh, that helped like that. good, good. Um, yeah, this was every time I read through it, I said, I just, I really wish I had it in this format so I could kind of um, play with it, or not play with it, but to, to parse it out a little bit better. Does anybody have any initial questions? Do yeah, I want to keep sitting up here, or do I want to be released? You're welcome to. Either way. Number one, or our Emmy. Or our, our Your Emmy? Our know. and <laughs> He that be greatest she'll be the least among here. <laughs> I was the least. I <laughs> guess I meant you had the greatest part. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, breaking it down, we know that the book was written late after the captivity um because unlike haggai and Zechariah, those are the two prophets that came while the temple was being rebuilt they were kind of dragging their feet and they were the ones the lord used to nudge them along to get it finished here he's not dealing with the construction of it but he's dealing with how are they actually serving in the rebuilt temple and obviously they're not doing a good job um The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi it starts off and and part of what's so confusing is that all of this is the Lord speaking. Malachi is tasked with saying all of it, and the Lord is saying what each of the people are saying to him, whether they voiced it or not, that's what they're doing. Um, which is why when you're reading it can it can feel kind of confusing. But he's clarifying, I've loved you, Israel, Jacob, I've loved you. And they're like well, we don't feel very loved. You know, this is a uh, post captivity. They're certainly not in the height and glory of their power like they were in David or Solomon's day. They've been greatly diminished. Those who see the temple being rebuilt, you know, or some who are old enough to remember the original are crying because it's so sorry in comparison. Um, their population's dramatically reduced. They're still under the rule of other empires, um, and so they're kind of <laughs> popping off here and saying, "Well, we don't feel like you're loving us." How would you love us? And he gives a comparison and said, well, check out all Esau here, Jacob's brother. I loved you and I hated him. Yeah, I've humbled them now. Now that's another reason we know this is pretty late in the captivity because when Judah went into captivity, um, Edom was still there and flourishing. They were capturing Israelis and uh, Jews um, and then sending them to Babylon. They were like at the Crossroads, trying to cut off people and they're laughing and cutting up as Jerusalem's falling so they were still well. Later the Lord humbles that nation too and, and that was one of the prophecies that were going to go against Edom of because of how you responded when I punished Israel and put them into captivity I'm going to cut you off. And this is what the Lord is saying here is I hated you that's why not only have I wiped you out it's going to be permanent. You can try to rebuild as the famous line went um, but it ain't going to happen. You build and I'm going to throw it down and they'll be described as the border of wickedness, the people against whom the Lord hath indignation forever. Alright. And your eyes shall see, and then referring to Israel, and ye shall say, the Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. So he is not done with Israel yet. He's done with Edom. He's going to cut them off, but it's his love that they continue. And that concept shows up uh, later Uh, for I am the Lord I change not therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed reminds me of Lamentations 3 and 22 for the Lord's mercies are new every morning it's by his grace that we're not consumed whatever that exact verse is um but it's because of uh, his love that he hasn't wiped him off completely. Because then and, and he gives the you know, account of from from your history from the very beginning you've been disobeying me. So it's not because y'all are so great, right. but and I've loved you. He says, "Then as a son honors his father and a servant his master, uh, a son does honor his father and a servant does honor his master." He says that if I be a father, where's my honor from you? I'm a master, why aren't you fearing me? And he's specifically speaking to, O priests that despise my name. All right? Priests who ought to know better, and they pop up with, Well, where have we despised thy name? You show that you despise his name because you're offering polluted sacrifices, polluted bread upon the altar. Um, where have we polluted thee? Yeah. And he says, the things that you say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. It means to be held in low esteem. And if you offer the blind for a sacrifice, is it not evil? If you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now to thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person? So these priests were allowing sorry sacrifices to come forth. Um, And specifically, the Lord's going to have some strong words about the guy who's lying Who's saying, "Oh, I made a vow. Here's the sacrifice. Priest, sacrifice this for me." The priest is looking at it. It's the ugly, two-headed, three-eyed cow, um, and he's got some pretty cows back in his flock, but he wants to cull this one anyway. So, if I got to do something to please the Lord, I might as well cut bait and you know make it all efficient, right? Right. Um, He says, "Now offer that to your governor, to your political leader. You present that of the feast and banquet." That three-headed cow, see if he'll be pleased with you, this scurvy, lame, nasty thing. But you're going to offer it to the Lord. You polluted it. And by offering that, you show that you don't care. You despise my holy name. And Malachi, I believe, pops up and says, Now I pray you beseech God that he will be gracious unto us. A priest, beg God. This has been by your means. This problem has been within your control. Will he regard your persons? Is the Lord going to be pleased with you and your person and your role as priest while you're doing this? No. Uh, then we get these two sentences that are confusing to me. And I'll share you what I'm currently thinking about it and y'all can let me know what y'all chew on it. Who is there even among you that would shut the doors for naught? Neither do you kindle fire on my altar for naught. Okay. So he's talking to priests and when I read about doors in the temple I think of the porters the porters were Levites they weren't priests um, so in the ranking and pecking order they were down a tier and so if he's talking to priests he says which one of you would shut the doors for no pay? Who are you going to volunteer to take a demotion and to do it for no pay? And I think the answer to that is no one neither do you kindle fire on mine altar for naught or for nothing for no advantage the priest had a portion that was given to them by God they're not doing this for nothing he is reimbursing them above and beyond Um, and so I think it goes to the attitude of we're just kind of doing this as a favor to God we're going through the motions mournfully this is weariness he said, you're not doing it for nothing. I have no pleasure in you, neither will I accept an offering at your hand. For, 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 and then he goes to say, and this I think points to what's coming and the, the change of how the priest role in the New Testament will be. We're not going to have a police, priest class. It's just the descendants of Aaron. You're going to get into a Revelation 2, five, I believe, where he has made us all kings and kings and priests. Neither will I uh, for from the rising of the sun even to the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. You priests who have been held up, put in this high position of esteem, hold my name in low regard. It's evidenced by your actions. The Gentiles all day long, not just at the particular sacrifices, all day long are going to hold my name in great as great and in every place incense shall be offered unto my name. All right? Remember under the old laws only the priests could offer incense. It had to be at specific times morning, evening and then um, on the Day of Atonement. Um, but this, And it only had to be at the tabernacle or the temple. It was the only place you could do it. And anyone who wasn't a priest who tried to do it and that happened with uh, Dathan and Abiram and Korah and that didn't go so well for them. You know, 250 popular fellows among joined with these three rabble-rousers and declared that we're going to burn incense, and the Lord sent fire down and melted them all and took their censers and wound up beating them into plates to cover over uh, the, the bronze altar, um, and that was when the earth opened up and swallowed up the ringleaders. Um, so under that old scheme, no one but the priests could offer incense. Gentiles here were going to be holding the Lord great all day, every day, can offer incense in every place, and you know, how does that, you know, how does that pan out? I mean, you're not—we're not walking around with sensors in here. Revelation. It also explains that the odors that come up from your prayers are like incense, and a pure offering. All right, so name will be great. Every place incense should be offered unto my name, and a pure offering from my name shall be great among the heathen. Uh, the only pure offering I can think of as Christ himself, and then through his righteousness that's been imputed to us when we offer ourselves as living sacrifices, as we're called to do as our reasonable service. Um, For my name shall be great among the heathen. But ye, priests, have profaned it, in that ye say, The table of the Lord is polluted, and the fruit thereof even his meat is contemptible. And you also say, "Behold, what a weariness it is!" So not only are they not offering it correctly, that's supposed to be their portion too. Right? That's supposed to be a large portion of what their diet is is things that are coming to be sacrificed. I mean, there's the tithes and other things, but the sacrifices there are portions of them that are set aside specifically for the priests. And so, um, I think selfishly, they're probably um, displeased with the table for what they're they're allowing these polluted sacrifices, and then they're having to have that as well for, for them. And so they don't care about that being part of their, I guess, compensation. They're, they're reaping what they sow, if that makes sense. I feel like I'm kind of talking around it, but if you're allowing lousy sacrifices and then you're supposed to get credit to eat portion of it, you don't want to eat that. Right? Probably looking for other avenues. Um, there are problems mentioned in other prophets specifically, not in this one, about judges going out for bribes among cases, priests hiring themselves out as teachers, um, not freely giving out information, but for pay. Um, and so there's different areas of alternative income streams, if you will, um, rather than what the Lord had provided for them. And if they'd been doing their job better, it wouldn't been better. And you say, also, behold what a weariness it is. What a weariness to serve the Lord. Now if this doesn't bother you. And not at a oh that's they're bad, but at a oh I've felt that. Oh I've acted like that. Particularly me as role of pastor and leader of the church, of so if I get in the mully grubs, <laughs> what is that teaching for everyone else? But um, but that's just such a terrible Terrible attitude of what a weariness is to, to serve the Lord. That's yeah. so. What a weariness it is, and ye have snuffed at it. Um, you know, Patrick, everything okay? Maybe you should sit down. And ye have brought in that which is torn, and the lame, and the sick. Thus have ye brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand? short answer is no you're bringing sloppy seconds lousy leftovers the dregs that's not what needs to be brought to the Lord then a war now but curse be the deceiver which hath in his flock a male and voweth and sacrificeth unto the Lord a corrupt thing now this doesn't specifically condemn the guy that all he has is the funky looking lamb it's the one who knows he's got the right thing and withholds it and sends the sorry thing instead For I am a great king, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. Then he gives a commandment um, to the priests. He will not hear, he will not lay it to heart, to give glory to my name. So what's the commandment? Give glory to my name. O priests that despise my name. That's who he's talking to. The command is give glory to my name. You need to hear it, hear the commandment, and lay it to heart. To lay it to heart means to hedge it about, to guard it, to... Make sure it stays there. I will even send a curse among you. I will curse your blessings. Yea, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. And he goes on to describe how he will corrupt their seed. Um, Seed to describe their posterity their children. And also bring shame upon them. I will spread dung upon your faces. Now they are priests cleanest of the clean. You cannot go into the temple when you're defiled, and so to have dung smeared upon you is just a gross defiling. And then it he goes even farther and says, not just dung, but the dung of your solemn feasts. You know, you've know, got all these animals gathered together in Jerusalem three times a year. They're supposed to gather. All the men come. That's a lot of excrement. And then when you're preparing those animals for sacrifice, you're supposed to clean certain portions of them and wash certain portions of them, and the uh, Dung, along with other pieces, is carried out. He says, I'm going to spread that upon your face, and you will be taken away with it. Just like your feces being thrown away. And ye shall know that I have sent this commandment unto you, that my covenant might be with Levi. My covenant was with him of life and peace, and I gave it to him for the fear with which he feared me. Now we're going to get a series of things that describe Uh, an honorable uh, God-fearing priest, and don't just limit it in your head as you're reading it to priests then. Think about it in terms of you're a priest now. Covenant was life and peace, and I gave him for fear wherewith he feared me. You're fearing the Lord, and was afraid before my name. Two different fears there. One, you're fearing God himself, but also you're afraid of just his name. His name is so great that there should be fear when it's invoked or said or thought, even abbreviated. The law of truth was in his mouth. Now, if the law of truth to be in his mouth, it had to be where else? His heart and his head. (laughs) If you don't have it stored... You cannot pull it up to share it from your mouth at the right time. The law of truth was in his mouth, so he was willing to share the law of truth. And iniquity (laughs) was not found in his lips, so he is not speaking perversity. He walked with me in peace and equity. The things that he's doing, he had the mouth involved there. The things that he's doing, his conversation, he walked with me in peace and equity. Equity is a great legal term. It means justice means rightness, doing things that are right, not abusing other people, not trying to take unfair advantage, walking with me in peace and equity, and did turn many away from inequity. You are a positive, godly influence on others, proactively turning others away from sins. For a priest's lip should keep knowledge, and they should seek the law at his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. So if you've got the law of truth in your mouth, and you're a repository of the Lord's knowledge, folks should be able to come and seek you out for godly counsel. For he is a messenger of the Lord of hosts. And that Lord of hosts refers to the Lord being hosted to all the armies, all the power, everybody, the masses. For he's a messenger of the Lord of hosts. But ye, now speaking to these priests, ye have departed out of the way. Ye have caused many to stumble at the law. As opposed to turning those away from iniquity, you're actually causing people to stumble. You're telling Mm. them the wrong thing. You're doing the wrong thing by example. You're laying stumbling blocks in front of people so they fall on their face and do the wrong thing. Ye have corrupted the covenant of Levi. Therefore, I have also made you contemptible and base before all the people according as ye have not kept my ways, but have been partial in the law. So they've been showing partiality. You've got your rich friend over here, and you've got your poor fellow over here. Who do you favor? One example of partiality. It doesn't have to be that. It could be you're a Pharisee, he's a Pharisee. That's old Sadducee. I'm going to show partiality in this matter, whatever it is. Um, you've been partial in the application of the law as opposed to equitable, that which is equal, and then it sounds like Malachi here is popping up. It says, Have we not all one father, and hath not God created us? I don't think God's speaking here. Um, why do we deal treacherously every man against his brother by profaning the covenant of our fathers? So this is the partiality, and yet we're committing fraud against one another. Judah hath dealt treacherously, and an abomination is committed in Israel and in Jude, in Jerusalem. For Judah hath profaned the holiness of the Lord, which he loved. And hath married the daughter of a strange God. All right? So the holiness of the Lord, he had given them the commandment that they were not to marry outside of the nation, and yet that's exactly what they were doing. They did that back in Ezra and Nehemiah's day. The priests were doing it then, so it's not a stretch to see them doing it again here. What gets worse here is it sounds like these are second marriages where they're putting away their Jewish wife of their youth, and they're getting them a young hussy um, from the heathens. The Lord will cut off the man that doeth this, the master and the scholar. He said, I don't care what position you are. You can be a master at the law you can be a scholar. I'm going to cut you off. Out of the tabernacles of Jacob, he that offereth an offering unto the Lord of hosts. And this have ye done again, covering the altar with tears and weeping, with crying out, insomuch that he regardeth not the offering any more or receiveth it with goodwill at your hand. All right, now, I'm not exactly sure if these tears and weeping are connected with the putting away of the wives, whether those are the wives who have been put away, if those are their tears and weepings, or if this is a separate matter, you have done this again. Um, if they are making a show of their sacrifices, Lord, we're in such trouble, we're so bad, but we need help, and we're crying, over and we're offering our ugly three-legged lambs, and we're crying, and he says... I don't want to hear it. It's, you're, you're a bunch of hypocrites. So two different ways you can read that. I'm not exactly sure which one's uh, correct yet. Um, but there's this covering of the altar with tears and weepings, but the result is, I'm not regarding the offering. I don't receive it with goodwill from your hand. And Israel says, wherefore, or, or why? He says, because the Lord's witness against thee and the wife of thy youth. He's seen it. He saw how you dealt treacherously. Is she thy, yet is she thy companion and the wife of thy covenant despite that you put her away y'all are still married It's covenant she's still thy companion and did not he make one marriage is created in the garden he made the two one right then he's the primary actor God is the primary actor in the marriage that's what makes two people then a single unit yet had he the residue of the spirit and wherefore one why did he make you one that he might seek a godly seed. That was his structure for Israel. That they were going to have this godly uh, nation, seed, and children, and posterity. It says, Therefore take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. For the Lord, the God of Israel, saith, he hateth putting away. For one covereth violence with his garment. Um, I think about the imagery of covering violence with a garment. You're hiding it, right? That's what a divorce is. You are committing an act of violence and you're papering over it. It doesn't take away the pain and the hurt that you're, you're causing and that you're tearing apart something that God put together. He hates it. He hateth putting away, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore take heed to your spirit that ye deal not treacherously. Ye've wearied the Lord with your words. Where have we wearied him? When you say, "All right, you got these two ditches. One ditch, you say, everyone that doeth evil, they're good in the sight of the Lord, and He delighteth in them." That abortionist killed a hundred thousand babies. She's got a good heart. Whatever. I mean, this most example I can think of. You know, this serial killer over here, this rapist. Whatever. When you're declaring that which is doing evil, you're saying, that's good. The Lord has delight in it. That wearies the Lord. Not showing discernment or justice or equity. You're not applying the law, right? And then the other end of the spectrum is, where's the God of judgment? Where are the firebolts? Come on, boy energies. Shall I rain down fire on these jokers? They didn't receive us into the town. You know not manner or spirit you are. Neither of which are we called to be. To judge righteous judgment. That's that's what we're called to. So these are the two ditches. Then the Lord speaks up. Behold, I will send my messenger, John the Baptist. He shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord, whom ye seek, the Messiah, the Christ, suddenly shall come to his temple. And he does. On several occasions, he goes into the physical temple, and it doesn't go well for the folks who are engaging in commerce there. He's flipping tables and he's hitting them with a whip and running them out of town and money changers. Right? He comes into his temple, even the messenger of the covenant. It's the new covenant, right? Whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come. But who shall abide the day of his coming? This is one of the spots where I'm not sure if it's the Lord talking or whether it's um, Malachi, um, since it talks about making an offering unto the Lord. But who shall abide in the day of his coming, that being Jesus? Who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap. The purpose of a refiner's fire is to take impure metals and to purge them of the dross, the impurities. Fuller's soap, the purpose is to take your natural gray, whatever color wool you got, and to make it white. And one of the images that God used to describe how he can make us cleaner than, and whiter than any fuller soap can get it. I believe it's even used to describe Jesus' garments. Um, they're being whiter than any fuller soap can make them. Right? He shall sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He shall purify the sons of Levi, purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old, as in former years. So you've got Jesus there purifying us, purging us of our sins. And then the Lord says, And I will come near to you to judgment. This jumps to the final day, the last judgment. And I will be a swift witness against all the wicked. The sorcerers, adulterers, false swearers, those that oppress hirelings in their wages... The widow, the fatherless, those that turn away the stranger from his right under the laws of Israel. You had certain rights. You had to extend to strangers and the poor. Um, and so the one who oppressed them, that's a strong condemnation from the Lord. And those that fear me not. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Why aren't they consumed? Because the Lord's continued to love them. Even from the days of your fathers, you've gone away from my ordinances and not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you. Wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? The question. Yet ye have robbed me. I'll touch you together. Promise done. Sit still and quiet. <coughs> Where have he robbed thee. It says in tithes and offerings. You know, the tithe is under the Old Testament law. They were required to bring in a tenth of the increase every year. And that was brought in to the temple. That was to feed the priest class. We're not under that system anymore. Um, you're cursed with a curse. We're under the, the voluntary free will offering. Giving um, what the Lord puts it on your heart. And tithes and offerings, ye are cursed with a curse. Ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes in the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove me. He said, test me on this. You'll be obedient here and see if I will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Imagine the, the caterpillar if it's literally or you know, the angel of the devourer or whoever he sends out to make your crops terrible. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time of the fields, and all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land." There were many promises and curses to Israel, natural Israel, that obedience, he would give favor. Disobedience, there would be strong rebukes. Finally, he says, your, Lord, your words have been stout against me. Um, I think of a shortened squat. I, I had to look up what stout meant. It means proud, haughty, arrogant. Your words have been arrogant against me. Where have we spoken against thee? so much against it. When you've said, it's vain to serve the Lord. There's no point. It's worthless. What profit is it that we've kept his ordinances and that we've walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts? I think that goes back to the tears and weeping that they're walking mournfully before the Lord. We're, we're trying to be sincere or at least get the appearances of it. It's hard. It's a weariness. What's the point? These are proud words speaking against the great king. And now we call the proud happy. Man, those, those proud folks over there, look like they got it pretty good. Those that work wickedness are set up. Look, they've got all that stuff. That'd be nice to have. Yea, they that tempt the Lord are even delivered. Seems like nothing can touch them. We know they're doing wrong. Kind of jealous. That's the sorry attitude. And then Malachi, I think Malachi pops up says, Then they that feared the Lord very different group of people from the ones we just described. And they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. So what's this example for you and me as we're fearing the Lord? Good, good idea to speak one to another about him. And remember in our conversations, even in the idle ones, the Lord's listening. He's hearkening and heard. And then there was a book written detailing what they're talking about. A book of remembrance for them that feared the Lord and that fought upon his name. Fearing the Lord and thinking upon his name. And then the Lord finally says, and they shall be mine. Here's the they. It's not the vain and the wicked and the proud. It's those that feared him. His children. They shall be mine in the day when I make up my jewels or I gather them up. I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then ye shall return and discern between the righteous and the wicked and between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. There's language about the saints being called to judge. And so this will be the discernment of you'll be there on the judgment day too and you'll see those who are righteous and those that are wicked. And you won't have the feelings that we have now or we just can't imagine anybody going to hell. Right, the scales will drop off of our eyes because we've got sin scales on our face too. And we'll be able to see clearly and righteously of seeing who are the Lord's and who is righteous, who serves Him, and who are the wicked that don't serve Him. And the day will come, it'll burn as an oven, all the proud, all that do wickedly shall be as stubble. You know, stubble, just a little... Crumbly part of the leftover grain that you've cut that just dried, and tossing the fire, it goes up like nothing. The day will come and burn them up, and it shall leave them neither root nor branch. There's not going to be anything left over from that fire. There's no continuance of their seed. There's no continuance of anything. This is pointing to the. This is the. This is the end. All right, kids. <laughs> But unto you that fear my name, very different scenario, shall the sun, the brilliancy of luminescence, the sun of righteousness, shall arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. The calves of the stall are the pampered ones. They're the ones who are well-fed, well-cared for. Um, I saw one of the texts has a, a revised language that says you'll gambrel as a calf. I mean, like romping around the field, like just happy-go-lucky calf, right? as opposed to the stubble that's burned up. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this. They'll have no power to, to fight or withstand anything. And finally, remember ye the law of Moses my servant, remember he's talking to the priest here, which I commanded them in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Remember that. And they were to keep that until Jesus came and put the coda to to shift it to the new new scheme. Says, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And that again is referring to John the Baptist, and that is what was quoted by the angel when he appeared to Zacharias, John the Baptist's father, in the temple as he was offering incense. Mommy, mommy look hey. at Malachi mommy,
1: mommy, mommy.
0: anybody learn anything <laughs> I to ask question I may be completely off okay. <laughs> I don't want to be
1: too embarrassed here uh, in this the reading sometimes you couldn't tell if it was God speaking or Malachi speaking <laughs> was it God speaking through
0: in the text itself, Malachi is saying every word. That's that's it's the burden that he is relaying. So he is there in Israel and he is saying, I was told to say this, the Lord said this, and then he get tells what the response is from both Edom and the priest. The priests aren't actually piping up. Um, but I was trying to shift it around so it'd be easier to see which party was being referenced. Okay,
1: so it wasn't God speaking through Malachi, he I mean, was just telling
0: you what to say. I think with with any divine text the Lord was telling Malachi what to say. Yeah. Yes.
1: But there wasn't there wasn't the audible voice of God. No, I, don't right was in yeah, I
0: know It never is, here. It wasn't Jesus' day. At least three times we got an audible one. I know. I
1: know. One. Verse
0: 15 of chapter two, it says, Therefore take heed to your spirit, and but be the treacherous against the water because you, mm-hmm. is he saying that if you need your spirit he wouldn't do that take heed I think there means to guard your spirit your life your impulses yeah be, be ye warned and cautious don't do it Go.
1: take heed It's amazing to me how we've, we've heard three, six quoted all of our life, and it
0: hasn't been quoted out of context, but it's been quoted without the rest of the context. It takes a little bit of time to unpack the rest of the context. The very last one. Four, yeah. Five. Behold, I'll send you Elijah the prophet. All right, so that is... uh you just comparing that to John the Baptist? Or... John the Baptist is the fulfillment of that. Five. So when the angel comes to Zacharias, he's telling him, you know, he's going to be filled with the Holy Ghost from the womb. This is in Luke 1. Uh, he'll go before him, going before the Messiah. In the spirit and power of Elias, and that's just the Greek translation of the Hebrew word Elijah, the so same person, spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So you've got that angel is quoting that verse to let the father know this is what he's going to do. Uh, over in, I think it's Matthew. Seventeen. Let's see. Um, Jesus would address the question about um, whether John the Baptist was that one. Yeah, Matthew seventeen ten. Uh, his disciples asked him, saying, "Why then say the scribes that Elias must first come?" So. When the scribes are teaching when the Messiah is going to come, they say saying that Elijah, Elias, has to come first. That's what the scribes are saying. And Jesus answered, Elias truly shall come and restore all things. But I say unto you, Elias is come already. And they knew him not. They didn't recognize it was John. And they've done unto him whatsoever they listed. They killed him. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. And then his disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. Those are the two ways we know definitively that those verses are fulfilled uh, in John the Baptist. Any other thoughts?
1: I'm just saying, maybe. Just Okay. <laughs> All, right. All right. Assimilate on it some more, and we'll, we'll chat more another day.